My name's Kendra Houseman from Out of the Shadows, and you're about to listen to a series of interviews that took place over nine months. I want to know what life would be like for a child that had been through domestic abuse, parental mental health, poverty, and exploitation, to name a few. What would happen if we created a team, an army almost, to support that child? 28 people were interviewed, all with the same question in mind. What could have been different for child B? You're about to listen to Blondie's People. So follow us on our journey where I will speak to everyone from George the Poet to some of my good friends as we discover what it takes to become one of Blondie's people. Within these episodes, you will find answers, you will find guidance, and most of all, you will find an insight to a world that many do not know. There's a trigger warning for some of these episodes, and some of them are not child-friendly. We're going to talk about things that are very, very raw and real. So kick back and get ready for a journey, a journey you will not forget. Welcome to Blondie's People. Welcome to episode one of Blondie's People. In this episode, we're going to speak to Naomi Donald, the founder of Pods, Protect Our Daughters and Sons, who educate young people about healthy relationships. This episode will look at everything from DV to understanding the power of giving children information around healthy relationships. So sit back and listen to how it all started. So, first of all, we're going to talk about pods because I looked it up and it, it looks so good. So tell me, tell me, first of all, how it started. Okay, um, so um, pods, um, the idea for pods really was created when I was at uni a few years ago um, because I always knew that um, I wanted to go back and help um, young, young people really educate themselves about health relationships after my own experience. So for me, um, going through um, peer-to-peer abuse from like, you know, in my early teens that escalated into domestic abuse in my early 20s, um, I kind of went on a journey of healing then, like, you know, um, had to do loads of um, counseling and um, trauma programs, like, you know, to deal with the trauma and get myself back into work and really build my confidence um, back up. But I always knew deep down, like that little fire in me was saying, you need to go back and help these, help these girls and boys. Like, do you know what I mean? Because I didn't know that it was abuse that was happening at the time. I, I knew that it was wrong, but I just didn't put the two and two together. So that's where the idea came from. And the name Protect Our Daughters and Sons um, is, is really about just um, looking after everybody, our daughters and our sons, because I say it takes a village to raise a child. And I believe that, you know, um, there's no point us just educating our girls if we're not going to educate boys as well, because they can also be victims and perpetrators, just like girls can be victims and perpetrators. So we need to start addressing that. Yeah. In the stuff that you do, do you see um, like same sex couples perpetrator? you see that in the work that you do with young people? Um, I'm seeing it more and more with um, young people, like especially those that are at school still, more and more same-sex relationships. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm seeing the abuse come through those relationships um, in terms of I don't know them well enough to know how they um, speak to each other and how they, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but from the outside, as with many other relationships, everything looks rosy. Yeah. So, um, but it is definitely something that um, I do want to bring um, more, into the, more into the forefront in terms of like, and the project that I was running earlier um, with a group of girls, um, there was one, one young person in um, that group who identified as gay, but it brought 
open a whole new discussion around like you know sexuality so um yeah i think it's definitely something that needs to be explored a lot further is pods only available in your area or is it something that anyone can access yeah at the moment i've just um like kind of just started with a small group of girls in birmingham mm -hmm. um because um i just was like i need to start a pilot and see where we go with this how it's going to manifest um and also get the girls to help build the program um so it's like you know having their input about what works and what doesn't work um and essentially starting with birmingham however um a lot of the work that i do in terms of um, workshops and public speaking is like nationwide so i would say at the moment just accessible for birmingham however in future that will be the ideal goal well, is there stuff in Birmingham, like, because I've worked there, so I kind of know the answer, but is there stuff in place in Birmingham around domestic abuse that is easy to access for people, for young people? Not for young people, no, no. Um, most domestic abuse services, um, um, locally and nationally, are aimed at 16 and over, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like those that are under 16, it kind of falls to, oh, it's social services responsibility or it's yeah. a school responsibility or it's a parent's responsibility but actually we need to create safe spaces that um you know the young people are able to come to and have these conversations because school isn't necessarily the best place always um social services not everybody's going to have input with social services do you know what i mean and um last year i've done some research you know i worked in um probably about nine or ten different schools towards the end of um, the last term and um, every session I did with the kids there were about 12 kids in each session and I asked all of them who would call Childline if they just needed help or advice about mm. a relationship just to ask a question to find out if something is wrong or right within a relationship and um, I think it worked out it was something like 97% of those children had said no they, they wouldn't call Childline it's mad because if you think right when we were younger where would we have gone for support i wouldn't have gone social services no. i didn't go to school i went in school like if i was in school i was looking to get out as quick as possible i didn't yeah. even know what i was telling people because i didn't even know what was actually happening so it's mad isn't it to think that people expect people kids or young people to turn to police social services da, 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 da. but actually i would have spoke to a youth worker probably or i would have spoke to my peers yeah yeah, I think people yeah. forget that when you're a young person going through certain things, you ain't going to go to speech professionals or not. Exactly, exactly. And so, um, yeah, I think we need to create um, more peer-led services as well. And I think um, that brings us nicely onto the aims of like um, PADS, which is like, you know, one of our aims is to create peer leaders within that. So um, there'll normally be um, girls that either put themselves forward or um, people that we identify in terms of, you know, you've got strong leadership skills, mm -hmm. um, you're an influencer, influencer within your friendship group. So, um, you know, could you be that person that people can come and just ask questions about like, you know, whether things are right or wrong, because you're going to have that knowledge and that information once you're through these workshops, do you know what I mean? And yeah. then you can signpost, um, signpost that young person and prefer the support. Because sometimes it's easier to go and get help from an adult when you've got another young person like kind of holding your hand through it. So, um, Is there lots of things in your area you can signpost to? Um, not not around BV, but around other stuff. Is it? Is it? Have you? Can you create a package like that, or have you got to really search? 
Um, I think um, I think it's building. I think it's building, and especially now um, in terms of like lockdown period, we see more and more organisations online. So I'm learning more and more what actually is available because I think that um, you know, and um, the danger always is um, for myself anyway. Like. I hate when I say to young people, like, you know, oh, you can use cans or forward thinking Birmingham. When I know that when I send them there, the, the waiting list for them to really? even get a call back. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Um, so um, it's really about like trying to do as much um, trauma informed work with them like that we can like within the program do you know what i mean so we're look at like um first of all identifying trauma because a lot of young people like um especially from these inner city communities as you know are witnessing and experiencing trauma on a regular basis but they don't identify it as traumatic experiences to I them met, it's just like it's just normal isn't it just i met this one boy and when i come down and work the second time in Birmingham. I met this one boy, I wrote a blog about him, and he was talking about seeing someone get shot last week, but he was talking like quite casually about it. And I said to him, you know, people that go to war can't cope with that stuff. And he said, he said, miss, I feel like a soldier, but nobody gives me the mental health support around it. This was a kid saying it to me. And I think, I don't know about your experience, but I've seen yeah. things that are up there with what, I've seen some bad stuff. And I never got the mental health support as a kid because no one ever saw it like that. So you're bang on what you're saying about this trauma. It's high level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we, we address trauma through things like um, storytelling, poetry and music. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, um, really works well with them just in terms of like, um, for instance, um, one of the schools that I was at last year, there was an incident where a young person had been um, shot and murdered in the local area. And it's like, um, you know, um, it was kind of like, you know, coming up with like, um, this was a group of boys and they all come up with like a rap based on what trauma, it was called trauma in the hood. Do you know what I mean? And like, there was a, a positive message in it, like, you know, just in terms of like saying why, um, why, why it's not good and what they can do about it and et cetera. And it's just like, just giving them that space to talk sometimes mm. makes all the difference. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think something, yeah. like, something like pods can can change um, um, somebody's whole outlook on what's happening to them. And that's what I like about what I'm seeing, because like you said, we don't know what abuse is sometimes. If somebody said to me, was I involved in a gang? I would have said, no, they're my friends at that age because I didn't see it. So I think this trauma teaching is so powerful. And, and I think that that will have the impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need to so, get yeah. everywhere. You need to go everywhere. You can't just be in one area. Oh yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so I'm so I'm, I've written a question I want to ask you. So why is it important that young people are educated around healthy relationships? Why why does it matter like? Yeah, well I think yeah, like we've just established if you haven't had the education around it then you yep. don't know that it's wrong, first of all. So um and I just think um addressing like the realities. Um, the realities that exist within certain communities, I think that's important because, um, you know, like you can go on um, a training program around domestic abuse or a workshop around domestic abuse, but if it's not talking about um, the role that goes with it and the community that goes with it, the gang affiliations that go with it, then it doesn't really make no sense because it's not going to be impactful um, to that person. So um, I think it's about like addressing those realities um, 
of the controlling and coercive behavior that can come in with that road mentality as well like you know you've got certain girls um, that um, are seen to be good girls because they're doing running education or they're working driving do you know what I mean generally good girls and then they've got a boyfriend who um, is gang affiliated or just doing roles so to say so to say and if this if this young person then is then and this young male is coercing the female to hold drugs or guns at the house that is an element of abuse or a toxic relationship do you know what i mean and i think that um they need the education so that they're able to make more informed choices do you know what i mean so like as we said if you know that something is wrong or you understand more about what consent is yeah. then you know you can do something about it or make a choice to um, not participate and um, also um, it's important to um, so that they know that there is further help out there even though I know at the moment we're not doing too well in terms of what is out there but yeah. you can all yeah push your what's out there and um, I think finally to um, address like the um the general um youth culture and mistreatment of women like do you know what i mean like in, like you know just in like um music for example like a lot of like yeah it's like the way that women get spoken about i i um i use in my training video i use octavian bet i don't know if you've seen that um if not go and google it it's just he puts a chicken head on the girl, like he, that's how much he doesn't yeah. care about her. And um, when I show it to professionals, they're all like gasping. I'm like, that's mainstream. That's not a secret. Yeah. That's mainstream. So how, when you're talk, when you're meeting with girls and you're talking, what's their opinion on them on the music videos? How do they feel? You know what? Until they have the conversation about it, it's almost like they don't deep it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's um, normalized, just normalized to them. Exactly. But then the same girls, if 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 I say to like um a good example that I, I, I say to them is like, you know, like um, so do you like it when um a guy refers to you as a whole? If a girl call, if a guy calls you a whole, how do you feel about it? I'm not no whole, I'm not a whole. but then yeah. Why why do you sing these songs where yeah. you refer to yourself as a bitch and a hold them because you're putting those words out there? So essentially yeah. telling the universe, this is me, this is me. And so if somebody else is going to use that kind of language with you, then you've got a little bit of responsibility in it as well. So this is where it's about changing the culture in terms of like, you know, um letting them really address the reality of the lyrics that they're singing and listening and taking in. Do you know what I mean? However, I'm under no illusion that, you know, I'm going to stop them from listening to yeah. their drill or their grime. So um, I always teach um, balance. Like, do you know what I mean? I say like, yeah. you know, that's what you're listening to. That's fine. But make sure you, you're changing it with, and, um, you know, something else as well. Like whether it be um, some slow jams or gospel music or meditation music, you get me? Like yeah. all the kids on these frequency rides, because I'm saying like, you know, if you're going to keep drilling that into your head, you're going to start leaving it. Before, think, you know, I always say to the kids, I, I personally like um, Drew and Brian. I like them beats. Yeah, um, but I, I'm able to not take anything from that. I just listen to it and I can take that context. And that's why I explain to them. I'm not saying to you don't listen to it. It's, it's good. My God, like, it's good. But it's about having an understanding of what you're putting into your brain. I think we need, as a practitioners, we need to teach kids that about everything. What you're putting in, yeah. you need to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. What do you, what's your thoughts and worries about um, domestic abuse affecting people in lockdown now? So, 
everyone's thinking about it, everyone's talking about it, but we've lived it, okay? So yeah. what would life be like, do you think, for those that are in lockdown right now, especially young people, what do you think yeah. the worries are for people? Well, um, I mean, you've got young people, young people that are in relationships that might live with their parents, for example, um, and are being pressured through technology, you know, through the phone, like um, to either go out and see that perpetrator or send risky photos that they wouldn't usually send, engage in things that they wouldn't usually um, engage in, but they may, may feel um, pressure from that individual to, to yeah, do yeah. these things. You know what I mean? Um, and then um, obviously for, for people who are living in the home with their abuser, obviously, um, you know, where they would normally get respite, where one might go to work or take the kids out to school, there's no respite. So, you know, we've seen an increase in um, domestic abuse murders um, since the start of lockdown. And I think that's a clear indication um, in terms of like what it must be like like living within those homes do you know what i mean and then like you know um there's loads of campaigns saying you know you don't need to stay at home there's help out there yeah. however when you go for the help there's no room at the refuge you know what i mean there's no emergency accommodation there's no hotel accommodation so it's kind of conflicting do you know what i mean what do you it's, think then, so that, that leads us quickly into the next question, because the government have uh, announced they've invested all this money. They've said that if, they've said two things, that if you need to leave, you can, and you will be priority in housing, okay? And that you can access this help and it's available. So what do you reckon, it true or not true? Like, I don't know, I've, it's just happened. But if I yeah. was in that relationship, if I was, if I was in my ex's relationship and I heard that, I'd be like, I'm going, I'm going now. Do you think it's going to ring true? I would hope so, but do you think? I think it's unrealistic. I really think it's unrealistic. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, I'm dealing with someone now that's been trying to move since the end of January and um, is still in the same is still in the same position and keeps getting pushed from pillar to post. The government announces, but, and then, like, you know, you might reach out to say, um, you know, I don't want to mention any service in particular. Service down, but you might reach out to one service and they say, Oh, okay, um, but what you need to do is contact this service, and then you contact the other service, and then that service say, Oh, actually, you're not in part of our local authority, so you need to contact this. Do you know what I mean? So, I think, um, it's great that they've pledged um, extra money, um, however, it'd be just interesting to see where the money goes. Do you know what I mean? Because it tends to be, um, those that are widely known and uh, the national um the national organizations that do get it where the smaller um grassroots community-led organizations are really struggling so yeah it'd be an interesting one in my role i'm seeing um a lot of um when there wasn't domestic abuse it's, it's emerging so for example my my neighbors in my area they don't really growl but my windows are rattling at the moment like day and night because people yeah. This is a natural for us to be put together like this and this is a thing i think we're going to see a new level of ev developing because people can get away and now maybe the government need to think that they, they don't realize how much it is maybe that's i don't know we'll see yeah exactly exactly and then obviously like when they lift lockdown there's going to be loads of people then um trying to access services that maybe couldn't access them whilst they were um, in lockdown with the and then like you're saying there may be new cases um of um abuse manifesting because people are feeling under pressure and can't cope with um you know being in a house together like do you know what i mean so 
yeah, it's, it's natural it's to be com- spend that right. much time together, isn't it? Like people shouldn't be spending this much time and you back to work and stuff. So naturally, there's going to be that tension there anyway. Somebody's a perpetrator. Yeah. That's just going to develop and develop. Exactly. Exactly. But we can only see. Okay. Yeah. So I know you go around and you talk and you tell people. Tell me what you talk to them about. If somebody wanted to access you, if they're thinking, listening to this and thinking, this woman's speaking sense. My God. When you go and talk, mm-hmm. what is it you're chatting about? What is your what is your message you're putting out there? Okay. Yeah. So um, the, the the main message, um, I think one of um, one of the main messages that I put out there is um, a presentation um, called um, "Invisible in Plain Sight," mm-hmm. and that main focus is on how services respond to. Um, girls and uh, mainly black girls and um, black women and girls in terms of like how um you know we don't call police because um you know it's not seen to be done within our community sorry um sorry ask that question again <laughs> When you go out and you're speaking and you're delivering to people, oh. if somebody's reading this or listening to this and they're thinking, yeah, yeah, I like what she's saying. I want her to come and chat yeah. when lockdown's over. I just want to know what they're being getting. I, I know what they're getting, but I want you to say what yeah. they're getting. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the Invisible in, Invisible in Plain Sight workshop is really an insight into how services respond um, to um, black women and girls who often feel invisible in services within their community just because, um, you know, um, there's research out there that shows um, black girls can sometimes feel like they're not as valued as um, white girls. So, say for instance going to the police you might not be seen as the ideal victim so you might not get um the correct level of um i suppose it's therapeutic care because that's all it is it's just about you know people being sensitive that somebody's coming to you for help because they're in a situation however because there's this misconception that's been passed down intergenerationally that black women are strong and do you know what i mean they're able to deal with it it's kind of like yeah share be all right she will do you know what i mean she won't really she won't really need it so um in terms of that workshop it's very insightful for um i've done that um presentation with um with um trying to think what it was called the national national leadership national leadership um program and they do um training for like um managers and um ceos of like healthcare schools um things like that do you know what i mean it's a different angle isn't it because i think you're right i think that people do presume that certain people can just get on with it um it, even girls involved in gangs white or black or whatever um color you're, you're, yeah. you're almost looked as if you can manage because you dealt with it you dealt with that so you can manage and i think that the marginalized communities are just left left to just exactly. get on with yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I hear that. yeah. Exactly. And I think marginalised is a better word because um, it isn't always just about black girls because obviously I work with um, lots of um, young white females, lots of um, Asian females who are going through similar issues just because of the community that they come from, do you know what I mean, and how they're seen by services. And I think, um, you know, it's important that, um, you know, services actually take some responsibility in terms of how they react to 
people coming yeah. in to use our service? What can they do to change? Little things just like, um, you know, having somebody um, that is um, put on paper as aggressive and so, oh, we're not going to see you again, when actually that aggression, like we mentioned earlier, is possibly a result of what they've been through and what they've seen, do you know what I mean? So let's be a little bit more sensitive around that. Um, I've, the other things that um, I do is um, the workshops, the pods workshops, obviously mainly um, in Birmingham. However, um, I have done some in Bristol with Safe mm. Lives um, and that's really about um, getting young people together to um, explore self-love, empowerment, build resilience whilst learning the education around health relationships because I think it's important to build those tools within um, so we're not just identifying you victims of abuse it, it's for everybody that's right so more like an early intervention um package um but that works quite well in um small groups within schools youth clubs and like um residential care homes and then um other than that um i'm also a youth mentor as well so I work with um, a lot of girls on a one-to-one -one basis who have experience like CSE um, or who are looked after children um, so are going through other struggles like within the care system and I found that work to be really really um, insightful and important because um, I think last year and the year before I spent a lot of my time working with a lot of boys because I was working on a lot of youth violence programs mm -hmm. um, do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, um, you know, there's a lot of research um, emerging now that's actually correlating the links between youth violence and domestic abuse in terms of, of the young, um, a lot of young boys that um, may turn to youth violence or coming from domestic um, abusive homes. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, although I see my boys as just as important, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. recognise the girls weren't getting enough, so it's all about it's all about the girls. Um, girls have yeah. been overlooked for a long time. Girls have been overlooked forever. I mean, even in anything that happens, the focus has been on the boys when it comes to peer on peer abuse and gangs. Anyone can say what they want. The yeah. fact is that it, ha it is thank it is on female uh, males all the time. So I think what you're doing is is needs to be done, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then um, the other thing, um, I suppose, like leisurely is like writing poetry, like I write um, a lot of poetry. I've always been like, um, I've always been like a poet, but always kept my poetry to myself. Um, so the last few years I have been, um, you know, performing some poetry um, really? on stage at certain yeah because um like um my poetry is kind of like it gives the, the feedback that i get from people is like they say that they feel like um they was there like do you know what i mean it gives them insight into the domestic abuse um um just from it just from a different angle and i suppose it's important for me to keep sharing my voice and my experience so um like you know as you're doing so that other girls um that are I, with that situation can say well actually that's someone whose story sounds similar to mine or sounds like the you know what i mean and they've got out of it so there's something that i can do do you know what i mean something that i can do differently when you're in it you sometimes do think that you're the only one you know that it must be happening to other people but you think yeah yeah but it, yeah. they don't know what this is like and i think by putting it in poetry or i go and speak somebody will hear that and go what yeah yeah that's what's happening yeah. to me and i think that you can't ever uh, knock somebody who's gone through it when we speak and people hear us they know they're not alone and i think 
that's what happens when you do poetry. I'd love to come and hear it. Yeah. Tell me yeah. when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying to build up the courage. Like now, I think um, one thing that um, you know, like has lockdown has changed about us all is now doing things via video chat. You think yeah. I ever would have said to you, "Oh, let's do a video call?" You're like, nah. Nah, you're right, mate. Um, yeah. Now you're so, like, yeah. Uh, exactly. So um, I do want to um, find some time to um, record like my poems, like on video, and just like you know, just put them on YouTube and people use them you know resources and stuff so um yeah that's what hopefully the future looks like um you know i want to develop um some sort of um training program for um you know for professionals in terms of services and how they can respond to like peer reviews mm. um so yeah that's that's something i'd like to work on in the future we're gonna have to link up and do something at some point because i think the two voices definitely. together would be killer can you imagine it like definitely it would be massive Okay, yeah. so I'm going to end it with when I write it out what you've learned most about yourself in lockdown. You've just touched on the poetry, so what is that what you've learned that actually you need to have that confidence to now go that next step? Yeah, definitely. Because it was like, um, like, um, I suppose the first couple of weeks of lockdown, like I was just writing poem after poem after poem, like, do you know what I mean? And like, like, then roll up, yeah, just yeah, roll up yeah, yeah. the poem, like. You know, so I think for me, it's kind of like, um, yeah, I learned, number one, that, like, you know, I need to believe in my own talent and God-given gift, like, do you know what I mean? To say, like, you can use this to help others. Um, and I think I've learned um, how resilient I am because, um, you know, like you said, like, a lot of people are actually struggling, um, like, mentally. And, um, you know, I, I almost feel a bit guilty when people are asking me, like, how I'm doing. And I'm like, actually, um, I'm okay. And it's... Not to say I haven't had my struggles, I've got other things going on, do you know what I mean? And that's probably why, not now to me, it's like, all right, the world needed to stop anyway. There's too much energy running around, so it's kind of been um, welcoming. But I'm like you, I lived in lockdown anyway. I don't like people, so I don't go out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in lockdown anyway. The only thing I can't do is like pop to the shop and back. But I'm, I'm glad yeah. that the world has slowed down because I think that I've seen the true colours of some people, good and bad. But it's yes. made me see, it's made me see people and it's made me see myself.